From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Everyone and welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion for July twenty third, two thousand eight, from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host Pete Warner, joined this week by my good friends Walter Eccles, well, my partner Walter Eccles, my good friends Corey Martin, uh, Kevin Close, and John Magi, and uh, Teresa is in the Peanut Gallery, and Will will be in the Peanut Gallery as soon as he gets here. Poor thing keeps having problems with his car, <laughs> so he's Julie at, is at home. And Julie, that's right, Julie is at home with her sister. We decided to, not to make her have her sister sit here for six hours while we record the show. And she, the poor thing has to stare at a wall. We didn't want them calling child services. <laughs> really? <laughs> Julie, I never want to come back here again. So in this week's show, Kevin Close has his review of Cinderella's Royal Table. And he enlisted the help of some of our listeners for this review. We'll have that for you coming up. For our Christmas in July series this week, we'll be talking about holiday events happening out in Disneyland. Plus, we're going to be giving away a lot of prizes this week. All that plus the news and roundtable rapid fire in this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged. Uh, in housekeeping this week, first and foremost, I want to send a get well to Miss Regina. Uh, she was not feeling very well last week, and she was out of commission there for a few days. She is feeling better, but we just wanted to let her know we're all thinking of her and keep her in your thoughts want to remind you of uh, also some things we have coming up. Next week, Julie Martin's going to have her review of High Tea at the Grand Floridian. And uh, we're also going to be discussing Christmas on board the Disney Cruise Line next week. So be sure to listen for that. We are going to be doing uh, prize giveaways uh, this week, but we're going to be doing them at the end of the show, not at the beginning. And uh, while I'm on the subject of uh, prizes, I uh, just want to mention to everyone that uh, there are no substitutions for the prizes that you win. Um, if for some reason that prize doesn't appeal to you, you have the option of not taking it. But, uh, you know, we can't... Uh, we, we gotta, you you, you got to take what you want. This isn't the green stamp catalog? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I understand some people might have been hoping for something else. That's what happens when you do something at random like that. So, so people are trying to trade in their gift cards for cruises? Is yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> And uh, also, I want to say hello to Aaron, Kim, and Anna from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, he, uh, Aaron is ADP on the boards. We ran into him and his family at uh, the Polynesian last weekend, and it was really great to meet him. A great guy, very nice man, and really nice family. It was nice to meet you, Aaron. So very enjoyable talking to him and his he's, family. He's yeah. been doing a live trip report on the on the Disney. Yeah, it's been great. He's been doing a great trip report. So And also, uh, we can wish ourselves a happy anniversary. This will be our two-year anniversary show. Really? It's yeah. our 100th show also. Yeah, it's our 100th, uh, well, yeah, it's our 100th increment. <laughs> it's not actually our, because technically the email show is a separate show, but we don't count it. We just, like, count, like, each week. It's like it's our 100th week. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, more right. or less. All right. I didn't know that crazy Disney man posted it on the board. Somebody's keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> so does this mean no cake? I, I, I got you fried chicken. I see. <laughs> yes. I get you I fried Reese's. chicken and Snickers bars. I see Reese's peanut butter cups on the table. I'm okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll shove a candle in that, and, and it's our anniversary. 
Oh, so anybody else have any housekeeping? I do. Oh, John. Last week's email show, I made a mistake. Uh, we read an email from a young person who, young lady who asked about parking at the Walt Disney World Resorts, mm-hmm. at the theme parks, if you're saying at a resort hotel, and I gave the incorrect information that you would have to pay to park as a resort guest. That oh, is no. incorrect. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, no one else caught it, so I don't feel we, so we bad. We don't really listen to you. Yeah, we just kind of glaze over when he talks. <laughs> That's okay. You should hear what I say when you're not listening. <laughs> we did pull that out of the show. I asked Will to pull that out of the show after the fact, but some folks heard that, so I didn't want them to have the misinformation about that. And also, we have a priority mail envelope that we've received in our uh, podcast email thing. Uh, not email thing, in our podcast mailbox, and I didn't open it. I saved it for the show. So I'm going to open it here on the air, hoping that... It doesn't explode. <laughs> it doesn't explode, or we don't have anthrax or the something. The breathing like holes scare me. <laughs> it's an anniversary And cake. it keeps moving. It is from Kevin Kundik in Salt Lake City, Utah. We can hear the envelope. With sound open. effects and all. There's Damn bubble wrap. I'm happy. Well, it doesn't take much anymore, does it? <laughs> oh, I know what this is. What is it? I believe it's the um, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir Spirit CDs. Spirit of the Season, Mormon, tab- Mor- Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I can't say it. And sing Choirs of Angels. That's very nice. This is for our Christmas in July show. It oh, is. Oh, cool. He said he was going to send us some music. He said when the, he actually sent an email, and when these CDs were released, they, we, they went to number one. I guess they were special events. They don't usually... Do this, but wow! He told us how he told us how good he thought they were, and he thought we would enjoy them. So Excellent! That was very nice, very thoughtful. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate, appreciate it very much. That. I'm keeping the bubble wrap. You do that. <laughs> Give him something to do during the show. Anybody else? Any housekeeping? All right, then we'll move on to the news. Uh, our first news story this week: uh, the sale last week of Anheuser Busch to Belgium-based InBev, the makers of Beck's beer, among many others has many people speculating about the future of the Bush Entertainment Division. InBev has many beer brands located throughout the world, but the U.S. market has remained somewhat elusive until now. InBev is known for slashing costs and streamlining the companies that it acquires, so most analysts are speculating that Anheuser-Busch's Entertainment Division will most likely be sold off, including the Bush Gardens theme parks in Virginia and Tampa, as well as the SeaWorld parks, which are located in San Antonio, Texas, San Diego, California, and, of course, right here in Orlando. Now, given the current state of the U.S. economy and the weak dollar overseas, coupled with an estimated sale price of the entertainment division of somewhere between 4 and $5 billion, according to some estimates, it may be difficult for any company, U.S.-based company, to come up with the financing to buy that. So a lot of, uh, a lot of analysts are now speculating that the buyer is probably going to come from overseas. Dubai. Well, I mean, well, SeaWorld's already going in yeah, in uh, Dubai Land. So it's, is that what they're calling it, Dubai Land? I don't know. That's what I'm <laughs> calling it. Um, I believe that's the title. But they're I speculating mean, there's a couple of uh, big theme park operators in Europe that they're thinking may, may bid for this. Um, you know, a lot of people are asking, do you think Disney or Universal would pick this up? I doubt it. I really doubt it. I mean, Disney doesn't buy other people's theme parks usually, but I don't know. They've been making a lot of changes in how they do business lately. We see the Waldorf Astoria going in on property. We see, we're hearing talk of a new uh, theme park that will be, you know, Nightly Kingdom, 
that's going to cost 200 and some odd dollars a person to get into. Who knows what they're going to do next? So can never write off anybody that has as much money as Disney does. I'm just thinking in this economy, an American company is going to be hard-pressed. Uh, Universal, um, I think, would be a more likely candidate. They were uh, involved with SeaWorld and Busch Gardens for a while in Wet n' Wild. They had that whole flex ticket thing. The right. Well, they still do. Ticket. Is it yep, still available? They still do. And they seemed to be friendlier, for lack of a better word. Well, they, you know, they well, that's, were. That's they, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, yeah. you know, type of thing. It was, a, always, it was a friendship of convenience, yeah. Right. I've always been under the impression that the SeaWorld parks, because of their their uh, animal rescue efforts and things like that, were actually losses to the company. I'd be very surprised that if someone does buy it, it stays in the current format. Well, that's uh, the fear of a lot that, that a lot of uh, employees at SeaWorld have. Something I'm afraid of. I mean, I've, I've said it before on the show. I think SeaWorld is one of the best-run theme parks I've ever seen. It, they're immaculate. They're well-cared for. The animal services, the way the animals are, are taken care of, really is fantastic. They do put a lot of money into this. As John mentioned, they have the animal rescue services. Um, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to this in the hands of a company that didn't have the kind of uh, passion for it that Anheuser-Busch seemed to have. So... Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of scary to see what's going to happen with it. But not, you know uh, what they did say. They didn't say SeaWorld in particular, but they said that the entertainment division is profitable, um, that it's been turning a profit the last several years. And they said it was something like ten percent uh, up last year. They were doing really well. Uh, it's a strong brand. It's a very very strong brand. Maybe they'll just leave it exactly as it is. I mean, well, one of the things though, I, I was reading a, a an article from a paper. I believe it was uh, in Virginia that was speculating about why Disney might buy it. Remember several years ago, Disney had wanted to buy land in Virginia to do uh, Disney's America. They were going to do a historic theme park. And the, I, if I remember correctly, it was the local residents who were like, oh, no. no well, no, they no. also wanted to buy what's considered pretty much hallowed ground in Virginia. It was battleground and okay. stuff like that. So there was a, you know, let, let's not destroy history kind of thing yeah. to build a theme park. And one this one... A reporter was speculating that in a bid to get that land to build that, because they could turn uh, Bush Gardens Williamsburg into something right along those lines, that that may be appealing to them uh, in terms of opening up another gate somewhere outside of Orlando. Uh, so it would it, be, be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, it would be big news if Disney did that. Hmm. be very big news. Universal, I'm sorry, I don't see NBC ponying up $5 billion um, until they see what the heck happens. I mean, they put a lot, they're putting a lot of money into Universal right now. So from that standpoint, it's always a possibility because they have shown the willingness to invest. But, I mean, you're talking about Harry Potter, the new roller coaster, Simpsons, and everything else has got them on, has got them on the hook for $1.5 billion right now by some estimates. So is NBC really going to pony up another 4 or $5 billion when they're having to dump their gate prices at $89 for a seven-day pass. So it's, like I said, an American company, I'm doubting it. I'm really thinking it's going to be an overseas investor or an overseas company that specializes in theme parks. But I imagine we're going to find out relatively quickly. It sounds, from everything I'm hearing, InBev is not the least bit interested in keeping the entertainment division. They want it sold. They want it sold fast. So we'll see what happens. But I'm really hoping that SeaWorld doesn't get too too terribly impacted by it. So in our next story, 
the Los Angeles Times is reporting that construction has begun on the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough attraction out in Disneyland. The walkthrough was closed after 9-11 over fears of terrorism after it was learned that pictures of the iconic castle were found in the possession of suspected terrorists. The attraction had featured dioramas depicting the story of Sleeping Beauty, and according to Disney's press release, the attraction, quote, will differ from the dioramas of the 1980s and 90s, returning to the unique style of the original 1957, 1957 show and motion picture. Enhanced with new scenes and special effects magic, the reimagined attraction will employ technology not available in the 1950s to represent scenes from the story of Sleeping Beauty, including the magic of good fairies Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather, and the more sinister spells of the evil Maleficent, end quote. I so. think Sleeping Beauty is a beautiful movie. I think it's dull as dirt, but I think it's <laughs> <laughs> she's it, asleep well, during I know, it. I think it plods the along. Movie, the mo- movie, notwithstanding, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm excited for them to open up the walkthrough. I always thought that was a very cool feature of that castle that you could like walk through this little tunnel kind of thing inside the castle, and you know, would tell you the story of of Sleeping Beauty. And uh, you know, it's been closed now for a while, so I thought that was really cool. I think I'm glad they're using the original concept art. That's pretty cool. And, but they're going to use some modern technology to kind of punch it up. I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they'll do with it. But uh, all 3D, all 3D. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, Pixar 3D the holographic stuff that they did over at Universal, where you're in Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> they can have Christopher Walken. That's a quote <laughs> inside the castle. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <You're> really... <laughs> All right, yeah, that's uh, that's all we have for the news this week. It was kind of slow, uh, kind of slow news week. No updates on the guy with the gun. <sighs> Seems like we talk about him every week. No, no, let's not. Okay. Why <laughs> <laughs> do you have any? Uh, Don't email me anymore. <laughs> you have any up- updates? You have any updates on the guy with the gun? Um, the last I heard was he, um, the judge denied his injunction. To be returned to work. Oh, that's right. I, I did read that. So he's uh, his next. He's going to the Florida Supreme Court or the Florida Attorney General, and it's going to take place in October. You go, Norma Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Union, Union. You go, ring that bell, Norma Ray. <laughs> Union. I gotta take my boniva. <laughs> I have to tell you something. <laughs> There's two people sitting here going, huh? what? Qua? <laughs> oh, we make Lord. ourselves laugh. That's I know okay. we crack ourselves up. <laughs> this is really just for us. <laughs> All right, um, the weather this week is looking pretty much like it's looked for the last several weeks. Um, every day right now, there's a forecast of anywhere from 40 to 60 percent chance of thunderstorms. I got to tell you, Wednesday and Thursday of last week were just miserable. Yeah, they were. They were just plain miserable. Either you have rain or it's 98 degrees or something. Well, no, I mean, just Wednesday and Thursday. I was t- I'm talking about the rain. I mean, it did rain all day. Rain all day, every day. It was like, ugh. This is a topic of discussion on our discussion boards all the time, and I don't think anybody believes us. It rains every day in Florida. Yeah. yeah. People want to know if the rain's going to be over by August. Probably not. It yeah, rains all summer. It, we, it rains all summer, but you know, as we've mentioned on the show before, it used to be you'd get a 30-minute storm that would come through, get a beautiful day, a 30-minute storm, and then back to a beautiful day. That's, that was not what's been happening. We've been having bad weather, you know, days like that, and like last Wednesday and Thursday, where 
it was just raining all day, both days. We don't normally get that, but it's been happening a lot this year. So, And we realize that this is very bad for tourism. And if you're on vacation, it kind of is terrible. It, it blows. Yeah. However, yeah. Florida needs the rain. Okay, yeah, not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we're done. The problem is then we get three days of no rain, and they're telling us we're in a drought. Right. You know, we can't win. Yeah. We're right. either flooding or in a drought. The other problem is the heat. The heat has been so bad. Oh. We're, we're well, Saturday when it didn't rain, it was 96 degrees. I have, like I, have, I have raised sweating to an art form. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am offending myself when I walk out of the house. No, it's like... Did you ever see you ever see broadcast news? Mm-hmm. Okay, Albert Brooks, his first shot at the anchor chair, and he's been you know wanting to do this for his whole career, and he gets there, and then the flop sweat. Okay, this is me like just stepping outside the house. It's like the all I keep thinking of is Albert Brooks because it's literally dripping down in my eyes. I'm like, I mean, it's hard. Albert to- Brooks or Whitney Houston. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep the house cool. I mean, we have all the drapes closed. We have everything shut up. We have everything just like taped. We live in this little <laughs> air-conditioned capsule. We finally got to use the duct tape from nine eleven. We're just we're all closed up, and it's still hot now. It is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. The highs uh, this week, uh, pretty much the upper eighties to uh, and the lows in the mid seventies. And yeah, you know, at two o'clock in the morning at seventy six degrees. It's we just. Were- Evil. We were out the other day in the car, and the car registered 108. Now, you can usually take five or six degrees off that, but it was over 100 the other day. It can be. It has been brutal. But I don't know. We had a good time with the poly, even walking around and all that uh, all that heat. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're coming down the next uh, 10 days, bring an umbrella. Bring an and umbrella, go- bring ponchos. And gold bond powder. And gold bond powder. That way we actually have a very funny, uh, <laughs> a very, very funny voicemail this week along those lines. So we'll get to that. So that's it for the weather. We're going to move on and do rapid fire. Who would like to go first? I will. <laughs> um, I learned some really neat things at the Poly this week. I had some very interesting conversations with a number of cast members and got some very, very interesting little tidbits. Oh, but before I mention that, I do want to mention that uh, Kathy Whirling just updated our blog, desunplugged.com, with uh, pictures of the newly refurbished rooms at the Caribbean Beach. Really nice shot. She did a great job. She's good. She's real good. I send her out for stuff. She comes back with it. She's, she's the roving reporter. She's, she really she's doing real good. We have, to, uh, we have to make sure we start inviting her to show up for this. But, uh, all right, so... Did you know that Discovery Island, what was Discovery Island in the middle of Bay Lake, is infested with alligators? I knew there was a lot of wildlife there. I didn't think it was alligators. Infested with alligators is what they're telling me. Oh, my God. Is that they're all over the place, and those alligators are in the lake. Yeah, well, that's obvious. Yeah. But what we noticed was that there were a lot of people swimming in the lake at the Poly. And this is now going to become my new crusade. People are going to get sick of hearing me say it. But anybody who listens to this show on a regular basis, by the time they go to Disney World, is going to be repeating one thing. Stay out of freshwater lakes in Florida in the summer. It's deadly. I'm not kidding. All year round. <laughs> well, especially though in the summer because that's when it's above 80 degrees. That's when the amoebas. The amoebas are a lot worse. Are a lot worse. That lake... 
for, well, freshwater lakes in general in Florida um, have a problem with these amoebas. When the uh, these are amoebas, I believe that live in the in the dirt, the silt on, uh, on the yes. on the bottom of the of the of the lake, and when the water is warm enough and that dirt is disturbed, these amoebas get released into the water. If they get up your nose, uh, not to be too graphic, these amoeba literally eat your brain. And there is no cure. And there is no cure for it. Now, there were a number of children last year that died uh, from this. It is a very serious thing. And I got to say that the simple no swimming signs that are posted on the beach are not nearly adequate enough of a warning given the potential liability. I'm shocked that Disney is allowing this. Yeah. And these people are out there with their kids. And, you know, it's understable. It's a freshwater lake. They're at Disney it's World. Hot it was very hot. It's hot. The pool was very inviting. And so it's very understandable. But, you know, it's like, you know, Disney being so sensitive to liability, I can't understand why. There's also a great deal of bird activity in the lake. Well, well we're going to talk about that, too. That also in that water, there's a lot of birds on Discovery Island. Walter pointed this out. A lot of birds on Discovery Island. Which means there's a lot of bird poop in the water. Right. Which causes a lot of bacteria. Exactly. And then you had something else that somebody mentioned to me that I hadn't thought of. You got a lot of diesel fuel in that water from all the boats. Not all the boats the that are on that lake. That you were talking about on snakes. your fishing trip. Yep, the poisonous snake. Okay. Which we have uh, It was we a water moccasin. I know somebody yeah. wrote in wanting to know what kind of snake it was. And we had, they said those can be rather aggressive. Yeah. They're very aggressive. Right. Yeah. So, folks... I am going to make this my my cause celeb. Uh, it's no swimming in freshwater lakes. Stick to the pools. If it's not a pool, don't let your child in it. Now, you can go into the um, um, springs because that water's below 80 degrees at 72, right, and well, the water's moving. Right, and so, that, but that's Wakiva Springs. Right. That's specific to Wakiva Springs. That's not, has any, nothing to yeah, do any with Any freshwater Disney. lake. Right. There is nothing at Disney. There is no... Uh, lake or other body of water at Disney that is safe this for is you to be swimming. Part they, of the reason have, River Country closed. This but, is yeah. This is a big reason River Country closed. They have water activities where people need to get in that water, like wakeboarding and water skiing. When you guys told you me need that, to get in the water. I was surprised that. to hear that. Well, our, our rule of thumb is we tell anybody don't go in the water in in, in Florida, no matter what, especially if you're not familiar with it. The it's other problem too is, and I don't want to scare people, but even letting your children or your animals play along the shoreline can be dangerous. Alligators are aggressive, and yes. they don't know the difference between a wild animal and a child. And this has happened many, many times in Orlando. So I don't think don't. we go through a season without hearing about right. a dog or a kid being pulled offshore. And yes. you know what? You're absolutely right. You have this beautiful, pristine beach. You've got this beautiful water, and you've got one little fancy sign no of Polynesian that says no swimming. Now, and the point I make is that when you get off the Disney Cruise Line at Castaway Key, before you get near the water... You pass several signs that say there are jellyfish, barracuda, sharks, mm. eels, Sting all sorts rays. of stuff, stingrays in these waters, and you swim at your own risk. I think something along those lines, or at least saying that this is, you know, really making it very clear, do not get in this water. And I, I really hope to see that change very soon. I think Disney is opening itself up to a tremendous amount of liability. And, you know, unless you live in Florida... And you're hearing the news reports the way we do about what happens in these freshwater lakes. You're going to think it's a freshwater lake. I mean, I come from New Jersey. We weren't, we, 
in my life I'd never heard of you know brain eating amoebas coming out of a lake. But that water freezes. Right. Exactly. 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 So it's a little different down here, and we just want to make sure everyone is aware. I'm not trying to raise a panic alarm. Just you know, rule of thumb: swim in the pools. The other thing is, people. Uh, I was told when I first moved here: if you see standing water, fresh standing water, assume that you will find alligators in it. That it's just a rule, and that includes Disney. While Disney will move alligators that are um, aggressive, or uh, uh, in areas where they see they know that human activity is, they will move them. Right. But that doesn't mean that there's not another one slipping into that lake. You can't keep them out. Right. All right. I, I just there's, there's like a, a couple of other really good things I want to get to. I don't want to spend too much more time on that. But stay out of the friggin' lakes. Um, <laughs> uh, Adventurous Club. We th- th- this is a rumor. This is a rumor. 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 Um, a lot of upset people about the closing of Adventurous Club. What w- what I heard this week weekend was that there were never any intentions to do away with the Adventurous Club. It will be closing in its current format. It will be cl- cl- excuse me closing in its current location. It will be moved to Animal Kingdom, and it will be the entrance point for the new Knightly Kingdom, and that's where Knightly Kingdom is going to be. It's going to be a part of Animal Kingdom. That's what I heard. And somebody I talked to said they have actually seen, like, the drawings and the blueprints for where it was going to go, and and he wouldn't tell me much more than that. But it was a decent source. I'm not going to say it's a great – it's a perfect source, but it had credibility to me. So this is what we're hearing. Very interesting to see how that is going to turn out. Uh, Something else interesting, uh, this also coming from what I consider to be a decent source, whether or not it's going to pan out to be 100% accurate, we'll see. But from what we understand, uh, steak fillets are going to be disappearing from menus all over property, except in a couple of locations and the signature restaurants. Disney is losing too much money on the steaks in the dining plan. So they're pulling them off the menu. And this, to me, if that's true, is so stupid. Just don't make that available on the dining plan. Talk about the, we- the tail wag on the dog. If, 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 the, if the steak is, if you're losing money on the steak, let's, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I know a lot of people use a dining plan, but there are a lot of people that, I don't know, don't. Yeah. I think the majority of people that go to eat at these places don't. Why should I be limited in what I can eat in your restaurant because of the dining plan? That's stupid. Well, this has been the effect of the dining plan for a while now. And the it's, generification. It's crazy. Exactly. And you know what? That would be a huge mistake. Do not yet. Yeah, don't, don't wag the dog. You know? And so we'll see what happens with that. But like I said, there'll be a few restaurants that are still going to have it. And then, all, of course, the signature restaurants will all have it. Well, but it will you, not be available on the dining plan. You hear all the time, I mean, people with the dining plan, what they try and do is maximize the value of their... And it doesn't matter. It, it seems it doesn't matter what you're ordering, as long as you're ordering the most expensive item. But isn't it a limited menu anyway? No, when you're on the dining plan, you get to order off of the, yeah, the, the menu from that restaurant. So, so <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> So if a restaurant is offering a steak, you hear a lot of people say, well, I always get the steak, and then that makes the dining plan worth it or a good value. 
So that's what Disney's doing. They're reacting so, to that. Before like, you know it, it's going to be a limited menu. They're going to have it's going to like macaroni and cheese from the highlighted options, mm-hmm. you know? which will make it even more complicated. Yeah, right. You know, so that's, that's some of the stuff I learned on my uh, on our little stay at the Polynesian. That's interesting. And uh, we'll be having uh, actually my review of the Polynesian will be on our August sixth show. Our August thirteenth show. We'll also have our review of the Wilderness Lodge. So, all right, that's what I have. Who's next? I have a um, another rumor. This is like rumor fire day. Yeah. This is uh, this is <laughs> hearsay, so it is a rumor. Um, I heard from a few cast members in entertainment that when American Idol opens in January, they will be cutting Fantasmic down to two nights a week. Um, I've heard on, that rumor also on Monday and Thursday. I think I w- this is what they're going to have to start doing in order to compensate for the economy. Now, I don't know if it's just going to be in January or if it's going to continue, so I just know that in January. I've heard starting January 4th, that will be the new uh, just two days a week. Now, Fantasmic is always crowded. I mean, that's a... You're actually going to have to go the day before now and wait in line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get a fast pass two days in advance. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this is another decision that boggles the mind. Have you ever seen the concession stands at Fantasmic? Or people are like literally forty deep to buy yeah. popcorn. At oh, it's $6. ridiculous! Yeah. So here you have something that's a side money maker. What does American Idol have to do with this? I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but I know it's a lot due of to the guest demand. We don't want Fantasmic. That's their that's their excuse. Well, I for think I think you're just going to see a general scaling back of certain things. If it gets bad enough, you're going to see a big scaling back on fireworks. These are places they can save. Uh, they can save money. Well, probably what's going to happen is 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 you're going to see less hours at uh, the studios. And so that's probably why Fantastic will be cut yeah. back, is that mm-hmm. less nights it'll be open. So, Crazy. well, well, thank you for that bit of brightness, Corey. Yeah, really. <laughs> Just here to brighten everybody's day. Kevin Close. <laughs> I have one. Mine is about the new ADR system. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I had gotten a voice recognition as opposed to pressing one, two, and three. And you've been accused of a liar. I have been. I've been. My, my uh, reputation has throne. been questioned. You sit on a throne of lies. And I would like to just say I am vindicated. The voice recognition <laughs> system is up and running. Okay, normal, Ray. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Disney's going to begin implementing a new reservation system that combines dining, recreation, and tour bookings. You're going to be able to do that. Uh, The conversion started on July 21st, and it's expected to be functioning on October 24th. While this is taking place, the latest dining reservation date, which can be booked in advance, is January 25th of 2009. So you're not going to be able to book anything past that until October 24th. Once the new system is operating, it will revert to the 180-day ADR window. The exceptions to the shortened ADR booking window are Cinderella's Royal Table, Chef Mickey's, and Vicky and Al's. You're still going to Vicky be able to... Vicky and Al's. We're like this. They're going to change that to, oh, you can eat barbecue. <laughs> With Chippendale. <laughs> wear, wear your suit. Um, <laughs> oh, you can eat barbecue. <laughs> Uh, those three restaurants, um, Cindy's, Chef Mickey's, and Vicky and Al's, you're still going to be able to book 180 days out up till October 24th. Uh, then every restaurant will go back to the 180-day window. But right now, you can only book through January 25th. We've also heard great rumor that there's going to be an online booking system. 
for ADRs. Yes, that would be very cool. I have a prediction it will last four days. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds sounds really cool. It's going to be a mess. With the, I mean, okay, let's talk. When Disney Cruise Line, go Joan. (laughs) When Disney Cruise Line has a really popular cruise, and everybody wants to book their Palo reservation ninety days out, that system crashes in a heartbeat. I love the people who are on the Diz. They change their ADRs a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get get 30,000 people on there trying to make a La Cellier reservation and watch what happens to the system. Sorry. I don't believe that's going to last. I can't tell you how many times we've been up at 2.30 in the morning trying to calm clients' fears because they're getting error messages and they can't book their Palo reservation. Because DCL's reservation system does this really wonderful thing when it crashes. It doesn't just crash and say, sorry, we, we crashed. It tells you your cruise isn't paid in full. And there's nothing happier than a customer <laughs> who knows they've paid in full at 2.30 in the morning trying to make Palo reservations. And Disney Cruise Line system is showing them that you don't. we, we don't have your money. <laughs> we, we literally we stay up. Make sure that we answer everyone's questions because there's this sense of panic. The last time this happened was the 90-day-out window for the eastbound repo cruise. 90 days prior to that sale date, we were up at 2.30 in the morning trying to print out confirmations for people which show you are paid in full. So my prediction for this ADR system is unless they're installing a huge new computer system, they're going to try and jury-rig the one that they have. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be very, very ugly. And then you got to wonder what they're going to do for the ones that require a credit card. Are you now going to have to give them a credit card online to hold it? It's going to be a mess. And for the double bookers, if this works, I hope it just knocks them right out of the system. Yeah, hopefully. Should be very interesting to see what happens. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. Johnny. I have uh, some information from the Orlando Business Journal. The Orlando Business, Business Journal is report business. Business Journal. Orlando Business Journal. <laughs> Tell us about the business. That particular publication <laughs> is reporting that the Midwest is cutting service to Orlando International yeah, Airport. Yeah, I read that. Midwest Airlines has announced it intends to make the service to OIA seasonal cutting back on its current weekly service as part of an overall restructuring because of high fuel prices and its decision to ground its MD-80 fleet. It plans to suspend service to OIA between September 8th and October 20th as it transitions to the seasonal service. So, I mean, that's a big window for people. So if you've been booked on Midwest, please go out, check your flights, check your, make sure you're okay. And, you know, folks, this is, uh, this is the beginning. It's only going to get worse. By mid-September, about 9% of the overall carrier capacity in the United States will be offline. Uh, That's an enormous amount of inventory for the airlines to be losing. They're having no choice. They're having to cut routes. They're having to cut. I mean, there's service to entire cities that are being cut. One of our dreams Um, agents told us that Midwest has stopped service to the Fort Lauderdale area. I'm sorry, Fort Fort Myers, Myers, excuse me. Right. So it really is. And what's happening is, of course, as uh, capacity... Uh, gets smaller, the price gets bigger. And especially if you're planning to travel during the holidays, like during Christmas week, New Year's, Thanksgiving, some people are going to be paying double or triple what they paid last year to travel to the same place. So what's really important, and actually we have a segment coming up in the next few weeks about uh, beating the high cost of airfare and some 
tips and tricks for you know kind of mitigating some of the things you have to fight off right now. But it's uh, it, it's this is it's going to get interesting. It's going to get expensive. Be very interested to see what Disney does to respond. What the what the Orlando area does to respond. I would like to talk to that for a minute. I think people should, as long as they have a choice as to where they're spending their airfare dollars, I think you should do... um, I do business with Southwest a great deal. I, I particularly like their business policies. If I book my ticket through Southwest... I'm one of those people who then watches my airfare until the point of departure. If you find a lower airfare, Southwest refunds your money. Without question, there's no change fee. We lower the price, here's your money back. And my suggestion is that if you're going to do business, do business with a company that's going to allow you that option. Right. So if you want to book your airfare six months out, you can then watch your airfare for six months. And if you're doing business with a reputable company who will allow you to refund, you don't stand to lose anything. And I found I found some very cool tools doing my research for the airline piece. I found some really cool tools that, that, that'll help with that. Okay. So. But I just think that's an important business. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we'll see what happens. Well, thank you very much for that, John. We're all, we're all full of good news, aren't we? Yeah. Happy, happy, <laughs> yeah. happy. Um, stay out of the lakes. Uh, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, Kevin Close and his review of Cinderella, Cinderella's Royal Table at the Magic Kingdom. This was a, a a unique review, Kevin. It certainly was, and I hope you're not hoping that the news is going to get any better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start out by um, the review is actually going to be broken up into two pieces this time. First of all, uh, we had a contest a while back where people wrote restaurant reviews. And we chose two winners who had the opportunity. They got a couple of nights at the Swan or Dolphin, and they got to do a restaurant review with John and I. Well, David Parfit and his daughters, Eddie and Maggie, wrote a restaurant review of International House of Pancakes. It was a cute review. It was. It entertained us. So they have they scheduled their trip, and David and I um, stayed in contact via email, and... We set up a date. Well, we finally figured out the date they were coming, and we asked about what days they had plans, and they had already made some reservations for themselves, so they told me what days they had open. Without any other information, I decided as long as we were going to have two young ladies with us that we would try and go to Cinderella's Royal Table. I'm always asked why I haven't reviewed Cinderella's Royal Table, and I think... Are you saying his wife is old? No, he has he has a wife and two young ladies. Dana is his wife. There's a funny story about Dana, too. I'll tell you that in a minute. But I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to review Cinderella's Royal Table because I always felt that if me going in there, I was going to have a certain perspective. I thought we needed a kid's perspective to actually see what was going on. So this was going to be it. Lo and behold, I was able to secure a reservation for six people two weeks in advance. Amazing, isn't it? It just was serendipity. So I lucked out with a two-week uh, window to get a, ta- a six-top for Cinderella's Royal Table. You know, my parents, um, they were here last week, and they said they walked right into La Salle, a 10-minute wait, and they were right in. So, Yeah, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of hype out there about ADRs these days. I think that if you're flexible and you're, you got a little bit of a, you know, you're not so set on eating in a certain place at a certain time, they're available. I also think the crowds aren't what they normally are right now, honestly. It's we were seeing, you know, noon on a Thursday at the Magic Kingdom. It was a 20-minute wait for Splash Mountain, 10-minute wait for Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Well, that could be because the crowds have melted. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> and it had been raining, so that could have Well, it hadn't started at that point. Oh, yeah, you're right. So. Okay, enough about you. Let's talk about me again. <laughs> and back to me. <laughs> uh, so we met uh, David, Dana, Maggie, and Evie Parfit at our prescribed time. They we, that When we made the reservation... They told us to be there a couple minutes early. Our reservation was during one of the castle shows, so they were nice enough to tell us to allow a little extra time to get around the castle because you wouldn't be able to go right next to it because of the show. So we did, and we got to meet the Parfit family. And David and his daughters, Maggie and Evie, are listeners of our podcast. Mrs. Parfit, Dana, had no idea who we were. She doesn't listen. <laughs> this fascinated me. Some freaks from the internet are having dinner with us. Just go with it. John kept saying, so what did you think when you heard you were going to dinner with strangers? She goes, I, David set it up, so I just assumed it was going to be okay. I grilled her for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I was fascinated. <laughs> uh, I, I just have to tell you that at the written, my review's coming after this. However, I want you all to know that the, our experience having dinner with the Parfit family was spectacular. Maggie and Evie were uh, wonderfully spoken young ladies. Oh, they were incredibly uh, well-spoken. Right. And they had very sophisticated palates. They were a joy to have dinner with. I mean, you know, when you think about going out to, with a family that you don't really know, I mean, we've all had dinner with those kids that, you know, you want to put under the table. These young ladies were a joy to be around, and I couldn't say enough nice things about them. The other thing, too, is when you go out to dinner with strangers, it's kind of weird. What do you talk about? We had a great conversation. Everybody was so nice, personable. Everything went, went really well. well. I took a little handheld recording device, and I have a, a, an interview. Now, I just want you to know that my, inter- my review is a, a little bit more in-depth. And when we hear from David and Dana and Maggie and Evie, I think we have a phenomenon of they had just had their dinner bought for them, <laughs> so they were trying to be nice. I just wanted to preface. The- okay. And here is, uh, here's Kevin's review in the Magic Kingdom, or his discussion in the Magic Kingdom with the Parfit family. I am here with David and Dana Parfit and their daughters Maggie and Evie. David was David, Maggie and Evie were the winners of the restaurant review contest. Dana had no idea what they were doing. She was kind of new to the whole thing. And we just had dinner at Cinderella's Royal Table. What did you think, Maggie? It was it was pretty good. You liked what you had? Yeah. Tell everybody what you had. Um I had the I had the Corn and crab soup, the roast lamb chops, and the crown sundae. And everything was good? Everything tasted good? Well, the um, cra- corn and crab soup was a little spicy for me. Too spicy? Would you get something else if you came back? Yeah. Good. Evie, what did you have? Um, I had chicken nuggets, and I had... Chicken noodle soup, and I um, had the crown sundae. Now, I understand you have a special way that you rate chicken nuggets. You have a system. Can you tell me what the, these chicken nuggets were rated? Um, they're rated a seven. Now, what makes them a seven? Um, they were pretty crunchy on the outside, but they kind of tasted like fish sticks. 
<laughs> Is that a good thing? Not really. <laughs> yeah. I don't want my chicken nuggets to taste like fish sticks. I don't even want my fish sticks to taste like fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Dana, what did you have? I had corn, corn and crab chowder soup and salmon entree and poached pear with a port reduction sauce. So what did you think of your dinner? My Be honest, Dana. <laughs> My overall summary is that there wasn't enough moisture in anything. Everything was dry. The crab soup was yummy, although it was spicier than I thought. And the salmon was dry. The rice pilaf was dry. The asparagus was okay. And then the poached pear dessert, the pear was hard. It should have been mushy. And there is some mysterious cake it was on. So our host very nicely changed it out and got us the uh, chocolate cobbler cheesecake which was delicious i think so too i didn't care for the pear dessert let's ask david what he had i had the uh the lamb shanks as well i had a house salad and the chocolate dessert and what did you think of what you had I thought all in all, the salad actually was very good. Had candy walnuts, had some fresh raspberries that were delicious. The lamb I thought was a little bit dry. The uh, the vegetables it came with were good. The uh, potatoes were good, but the lamb all in all was was dry. The uh, dessert was a real hit. The chocolate dessert was a, a winner. That was really good. Dana and I both had the pear dessert, and we were envious of David's dessert, so we had to have them fix that. And Dana's a real pear fan, too. We were looking forward to it, and it didn't work out. We were looking forward to the pear dessert, and it just wasn't good at all. Yeah, I agree. Now, ladies, I have one other question. What did you think of the show? Well, the show, I think, could have been longer. I was hoping that it would be all dinner, and it was kind of boring. There wasn't much to do. Like, there wasn't, and it was, I don't know, I, I think people were being kind of shy, which I am, but I don't know. I, I was just hoping it would be longer, and the characters didn't do autographs, which really was disappointing. You were disappointed in that? Yeah. Yes, I was hoping for autographs because, yeah, I like autographs. They're fun. And, Evie, what did you think? I thought it was pretty good, but, um... It was a little boring, and I was hoping it would be a little bit longer. Now, I have another question. If you were coming to Disney World again and you had to pay for this yourself, would you come here again for dinner, or would you go someplace else? I think I might come I might come here for dinner again, but I definitely might. I think I, I probably would get the... Um, the chocolate dessert, and I'd probably get the lamb chops again, but I don't know, my taste might have changed by the time I was an adult, but if I had to go again right now and pay for it myself, I wouldn't get the crab soup because it was too spicy. Now, I understand you had dinner at 1900 Park Fair last night. Which one did you think was better? 1900 Park Fair. And what about you, Evie? Um, I thought the 1900 Park Fair was a little bit better. Did you have some more character interaction? Were they a little easier to talk to? Yeah. The food was much better at the 1900 Fair than it was at Cinderella's Castle. Yeah, I agree, too. And then they had the stepsisters at 1900 Park Fair, which were a real hoot. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so you guys think 1900 Park Fair is a better value? Yeah. And that's what you would recommend to everybody else? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you. The Parfit family is here on vacation from Rochester, New York, and they're going to now go spend the rest of their time, I'm sure, riding all kinds of rides and seeing all kinds of things, right? Yep. Fast passes to Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and Jungle Cruises. And we'll probably ride some other things, too. We're hoping Pirates of the Caribbean is open, because it was closed for technical difficulties when we went. You know what? Sometimes that happens, and they open up in a couple minutes. So I think you might have a good shot at it. That's a pretty popular ride. I'm pretty sure they would work really hard to make that work. We've never rode Splash Mountain before, but we I think we've rode the... Two mountains, but they're actually three. Big Thunder Mountain, Railroad, and Space Mountain. I can't wait to ride um, Splash Mountain. Do you know what they call that here in Florida? They call that the Disney Mountain Range. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. I, I had a really nice time. Mm-hmm. You too? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin and John. This was thank a really fun dinner, and yeah. you guys were great companions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now that was awesome. That was. That was. I, I got to tell you, those uh, those those little girls are unbelievably articulate. They really were. They were great dinner companions. There was no, um, I don't. How do I put this? There was no child talk. I felt like I was talking to dinner companions. I mean, we didn't talk about things that we wouldn't talk about with kids, but they were. They had an opinion. So you didn't on bring your My Pretty Pony. No. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't take that out of the house. <laughs> Might get dirty. Um, he has a life-size when he rides around the backyard. They were, they were just wonderfully charming young ladies. I was very happy to have spent the evening. They sounded like it. Yeah, they were fun kids. Uh, and again, they were being very, very polite. The family had just had dinner with John and I. So I, I think part of the real review has come forward, but I'm going to go into depth a little bit more now. Okay. Okay. Our, uh, we started, we checked in, and we were actually a couple minutes early, as we were told to be, and we uh, were shown directly in. We had no wait at all. When you first are shown in, you're taken into an anteroom, which is where you have your audience with Cinderella. And while we were standing there, the young ladies that we had, Maggie and Evie, they had, but with their father's help, had created their own autograph books. You should have seen what he did. It was incredible. He, John was fascinated. It was fascinated. He took construction paper, used Photoshop, and created individual pages for each character or each thing they were going to do. Wow, that's he, a cool idea. He even had a Diz Unplugged page, and Kevin and I autographed the kids' books. Oh, wow. And that's took, neat. And he took all of these to Kinko's and had it bound. That's awesome. So it looked like he bought it. It was incredible. There was there was autograph book envy going on. It was so. <laughs> as we waited in line to see Cinderella, uh, one of Cinderella's assistants came over and sort of s- took the books away from us and said, "I'll have her do this," which I thought was weird. And it's not that we were rushed through when we actually got to see Cinderella, but it, he went and got the autographs for them and brought them back their books. What? Yeah, it was odd. Wait, so, so they didn't get to see Cinderella. Oh, no. yes, they did. Oh, oh okay, but. She didn't sign the autograph for them. She signed the autograph for this guy. Okay, and can I just say, the picture you took, the Parfit family looks lovely, but the picture you took of them with Cinderella, she looks like she's having a psychotic break. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry, guys. You have to look at this picture. (laughs) Hold on, let me... It's the shoes. The shoes are too tight. (laughs) No, come on. Look at her face. And they're glass. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, yeah. She 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 looks like she's having a psychotic break. 
pass it around. Just oh, I didn't thought we were something to, something to talk about. Uh, just a note. This anteroom. Show, show my mother. Downstairs. Yeah, just to let everybody know that the peanut gallery expanded. But we had to take a break. And uh, my brother and my mother are here as well. So we have as many people in the peanut gallery, more people in the peanut gallery than at the table. So. Is this our official first live show? <laughs> it's getting close to it, yeah. <laughs> Quick, invite the neighbors. <laughs> in the anteroom downstairs, I didn't realize this until after dinner, they've installed a family restroom. And that's one of those large restrooms that, if someone needs assistance. However, this is the only handicapped accessible restaurant in the uh, in the or the restroom in the restaurant. When you go to dine, the dining room's on the second floor, so you either have to go up this curving staircase or go up in an elevator. Now, the regular restrooms are halfway up the curving staircase, so they're not handicapped accessible. So, if you're in going up to dinner and you need assistance, you might want to use that restroom that's on the first floor before going up. Just a note for people who might need that information. Otherwise, you're going to have to take the elevator back down and back up. We went up in, um, I went up in the elevator. Uh, John and the Parfit family walked up the stairs, and I, I was surprised when the elevator door opened that there was no little elevator lobby. You literally open up into the restaurant. So, we were met by a host up there, and we were shown our table. Now, the room at Cinderella's Royal Table is very grand. It almost has a Camelot look to it. It's very castly. However, it's not as big as you think it is. It's done on tiers, and there's not that many tables. It's not a huge restaurant. The windows that are in the restaurant are open onto Fantasyland. So unless you're sitting right in front of the window, there's not really a view. And the view overlooks uh, the carousel and that area of Fantasyland. Our, uh, our server came to the table with our menus and passed them out. And she referred to everyone as Malord and Milady. And for the first five or ten minutes, I thought she was calling me my lard. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, she said, "I was say my lady." <laughs> she didn't say that. She kept saying, "My lard, my lard." And finally, she said to me, "And the young prince at the end, what will he have?" And I said, "Thank God you stopped calling me my lard." <laughs> she wasn't amused with me. I have to tell you, there wasn't a lot of amusement from the staff. Now, first, I I need to go back a second. When you book a reservation for Cinderella's Royal Table, you are charged in advance. You pay at the time you make your reservation. You pay in full. For adults, it's $40.99. And for children, it's $25.99. Children are 10 and up. Children are 3 to 9. You are not only charged your full meal, you are charged 6.5% tax and an 18% gratuity. So your 18% gratuity is prepaid before you, two weeks in advance, or 180 days in advance, if that's when you're making mm. your reservation. I'm kind of amazed that Disney gets to sit on your full payment for six, six months. Six months, yeah. Plus your gratuity. So this kind of doesn't sit well with me, but let's move ahead. So our server came up. Our server was adequate. I would not call her friendly in any way. I would not call her bad. She was adequate. The other thing we were told was you get to choose an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And you were pretty much, it was known, you're ordering everything now. 
I definitely got the feeling that for $41, we're going to fill your seat again. So you order your appetizer, your entree, and your dessert as soon as you sit down. Are you kidding? No. No. Okay. Uh, not joking. Um, you definitely get the feeling that this isn't a long-term event. You're here for a very short time. Let's make it snappy and move on. Mm. Uh, when she did come out, she brought a, ba- a, a basket of warm pretzel bread. This is the same pretzel bread that they serve in Le Cellier and the Beer Garden. Uh, it's good, and they came with some nice soft butter, so that was a big hit as we were all hungry. When we went to order, there are four appetizer choices. There's a castle salad, which is mixed field, greens with blue cheese, raspberry, and candied walnuts. There's a vegetable spring roll uh, with soybean and bok choy salad. There's a BLT salad, which is applewood smoked bacon, tomato, egg, red onion, iceberg lettuce, and uh, baby spinach served with roasted shallot vinaigrette and the corn and crab soup. Most of the people in our party ordered the corn and crab soup, which was deemed very good. It was a tasty soup. Uh, a couple of the people thought it was a little too spicy. Maggie, uh, the 10-year-old, found hers too spicy. Evie ordered off the children's menu and got, as she told you earlier, the chicken noodle soup. David had the castle salad, and when they set it down, that was what everybody decided looked the best. While the soup was good, David's salad looked the best. Within a few heartbeats of our appetizer plate being taken, our dinners and our dinners landed on the table. See, I would have been furious. Uh, Absolutely, it, it's a fast-moving night. I'll, I would have, I, I would, I would have made that stop. <laughs> I would have made that stop. Uh, a couple of people got the roast lamb chops. John ordered something called lemon lavender chicken. Uh, Dana ordered the pan-seared salmon, and I ordered the cheese tortellini. The other entrees that no one ordered were the pork chops and the roast prime rib of beef. In my opinion, if we were paying for this meal on our own, this was a disaster. A disaster of just awful proportion. Uh, The roast lamb was dry. Uh, They were a a gray shade. John ordered the lemon lavender chicken. It, It was the most unappealing plate I've ever seen set down in front of a person. It was half of a boiled chicken laying on these droopy, loose mashed potatoes and with some wilted chick it was with some wilted spinach and it was covered with something called chicken juice. I, I'm not lying. I have, <laughs> Did you ever have a dish where your your meal is actually the same color as the plate? <laughs> That's what it was like. It was like where's the food? Because it's all this sort of off white. And John wanted to know how they removed all moisture <laughs> from a chicken. How do you get a chicken this dry, especially when it's floating in chicken juice? <laughs> it, it, it spelled chicken J-U-S, but it, it just seemed like warm. As in like an au jus sauce? Right. Dana ordered the pan-seared salmon, and she described it as exceptionally dry. <laughs> it's like it's just waiting for you to show up and right. slap it on the plate. I got the feeling that this was all sitting under a heat lamp mm. and everything's ready, so don't even think you're going to switch anything. Because <laughs> you're getting one of the, off the line. I ordered cheese tortellini. And I have to read the description off the menu. It said it comes with julian vegetables, garlic, marinara sauce, and fresh Romano. Delightful, huh? That's not what I got. I got Chef Boyardee. <laughs> no, I got cheese tortellini in this bland cheese sauce, 
There was a couple of mushy vegetable strips laying on top of it. And a slice of bread that I'm pretty sure is one of those cross sections from those name bricks out in front of the castle. I said to John, feel this. We couldn't snap it. <laughs> it was as hard as brick. It was Kevin's walk around the world. It was. <laughs> well, is this part of the sidewalk? To let you know how bad this Can stuff I was. I have a side of plaster with the chicken. <laughs> really? I'm going to have the spackle. <laughs> and his dish was huge. I, I got an enormous portion of awful food. <laughs> <laughs> it was dreadful. And I, I can't believe that. I, I, I mean, I've said this before. It cost. An enormous portion of awful food. I had enough cheese tortellini to feed like four people. <laughs> and I'm a big eater. I, I can't believe that there's not a manager somewhere who's watching. Uh, three quarters of our entrees, of each entree, went back. And we were hungry. Right. We showed up and we said, oh, I'm so excited. I'm hungry. I'm, we can eat a lot. This is going to be really good. It really wasn't. It was really bad. Well, now, let me ask you, the, uh, you know, in general, what you hear anecdotally on the boards, do a lot of people complain about the food? or? I, I'm of the belief at this point in time. I'm going to tell you a really short story. I used to go to the Jersey Shore every summer as a kid, and there was a place on the boardwalk in Wildwood called Paul's French Fries. I used to think Paul's French Fries were like a gift from heaven. Paul's French Fries were the best French Fries I've ever had anywhere, anytime, and they were just great. I've been back as an adult, and they're just French Fries. True. However, they're a thousand times better on the Wildwood boardwalk when you're 10. Right. So I have a feeling that we have that I'm at Disney World. I'm happy that I don't have to cook it. I don't have to clean up after it. And when I'm done, I get to go ride It's a Small World. Right. We have that sort of vacation yeah, gotcha. bubble. I, I, no one, if they serve this food, if anybody served you this dinner that they served John with this parboiled chicken, and lemon and lavender chicken, doesn't that sound aromatic and fragrant? I would think. The only lemon and lavender associated with this chicken was in the title. It looked like the rabbit that Glenn Close cooked <laughs> in Fatal Attraction. It really did. Now, on to the show. During our during the dinner that we're really not enjoying, they, the music starts and two of the mice, the girl mice from Cinderella, their names are um, Susie and Perla, I believe, they go skittering through the dining room. It's all rather manic. And, oh, we were told earlier, the girls had their autograph books out. And we were told in no uncertain terms, nobody's signing autograph and nobody's posing for pictures. This is a show. Are you kidding me? No. You can take all the pictures you want, but they're action photos. Oh. So the, the little mice go twirling around the, 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 the restaurant. And shortly after that, the fairy godmother comes out. And I'm almost 100% certain it was Paula Dean. <laughs> <laughs> in a big blue iridescent cape And she, she had her little Janet Jackson headset on I was surprised that it was live She actually was talking Usually these are pre-recorded things And again, in this manic sort of way She twirled around the room She started talking about dreams and wishes And birthdays and celebrations You know, one of those Disney Rah-rah <laughs> speeches <laughs> yeah. Generic Disney celebration songs she had everybody who was celebrating a birthday, an anniversary, a bar mitzvah, anything you could possibly think of. If you're here for any reason other than dinner, raise your hand. 
She sang another one of her Disney generic celebration songs, Happy Celebration to You, kind of thing. <laughs> Some lights twinkled and it was over. Start to finish, this, this thing lasted seven to ten minutes. It was frantic. And the whole time you're like, do I eat? Do I watch? What do I do? <laughs> okay. Three quarters of every app entree on the table was taken back to the kitchen. Within seconds of our plates being taken away, dessert hits the table. Now, they have something called a chocolate cream cheese buckle. And that's one of those, it's a fancy thing for like a chocolate muffin with some cream cheese in the middle. And it comes with chocolate ice cream and a chocolate sauce. They also have a raspberry sorbet. And a seasonal no sugar added sorbet. John got the sorbet, but it's one of it was raspberry sherbet with some berries on top of it. I mean, it's just it's ice cream, plain and simple. What, their signature dessert is the poached pear on angel food cake, topped with mango sorbet and drizzled with a port reduction. Now, at the beginning of the menu, shortly after sitting down, and our entire entree order, our entire order has been taken within the first three minutes of getting in the restaurant. I know what I'm having for dessert before I ever get anything. My dinner companion Dana said, "I absolutely love pears, and I've heard about this dessert. My grandparents grew pears, so I'm kind of a pear connoisseur." So I thought, "Great, we've picked a restaurant where they have a really good pear dessert." So they brought out these desserts. And they set it down in front of us, and the two of us just looked at each other and said, they can't be serious. <laughs> it was a half a pear, and then I believe they cut the center out of a pot scrubber, <laughs> and there was a little golf ball-sized golf ball scoop of mango sorbet, and it had been drizzled with port wine. Is this it? Mm-hmm. This picture is what you're talking about? Yes. You have yeah. the picture in front of you. Oh. That's the pear. This thing that looks like a blood clot. Yeah. <laughs> that's the pear. Oh, John, you're on a roll today. <laughs> it's easy when you got good material. Like a blood clot. Pass it around. Because the pear is supposed to be boiled or poached in wine sauce and white. Now you've all eaten pears, right? Yeah. This one wasn't ripe. You couldn't cut it with a knife. It looks like a beet. And I said to her... Is yours hard? <laughs> and she said to me, I can't eat this. And we kind of looked at each other, and I thought, I don't think I can chew this. <laughs> so we both kind of pushed it off to the side, you know, with disappointment. And she says to me, what's the sorbet laying on? I said, I don't know. So we touched it. It looks like a, it looks like a, like a, like a biscuit. Well, it's supposedly a slice of angel food cake. You know the thing you scrub the bottom of the pot with to get the macaroni I was just going to say, that off? does not look like the texture of angel food cake. Exactly. So that was hard. So I tried the mango sorbet. And did you ever have something so tart that it makes those veins that run yeah. along the side of your chin throb? <laughs> so I called the waitress over, and she came over with, yes, my lord. And I said, okay, I don't... I said, I don't usually complain, and I never complain when I'm doing a restaurant review. I said, but you really need to just remove these. These are awful. And under her breath, she goes, yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> I said, we would like two more of the chocolate things. And I thought, don't even tell me that there's an upcharge for any of this, because I'm going to go carnival ape crazy. 
how the fact that you served me, stands. Right. You served me a pot scrubber and a hard pear. <laughs> Get real. Now, when we're doing a restaurant review, I never ask them to fix anything. I've told you that before. I come back and I tell you what happened, and that's my way of getting even for a bad meal. There was just no way. I had dinner guests. There was no way that somebody who's been, you know, whose grandparents grew pears could sit there and look at this and not think, I kind of got screwed out of a decent dessert. <laughs> yeah, really. So without hesitation. <clears throat> this time I go to dinner with you. Really. <laughs> our server replaced it with the cream cheese buckle, and it was, uh, it was better. It's not the kind of dessert that I would say, you know, pay the $41 just to get this dessert. Like the chocolate souffle at Palo, mm-hmm. we're not talking this level. It was a it was a chocolate muffin with some cream cheese in the middle and some ice cream. However, it was exponentially better than that pear debacle. It just was awful. Dessert came. There was never an offer of coffee or tea or anything, and it was like, thanks, your check's been taken care of. Bye. Well, it wasn't even that. It was weird. I said to the waitress, "Can I have the check?" And she's like, "It's all paid for." It's like, how unceremonious. You don't get a receipt. You don't get anything. You don't even, like, a pat on the back like you survived. <laughs> a t-shirt. A t-shirt. I survived the pot, the, the pear clot. <laughs> the pear clot. Now, on top of that, when we sat down, and I find myself, you know, I'm kind of doing this as a restaurant review. So I'm, I make myself aware of everything. I don't know that other people do. Dana looked at me and she goes, do you realize lunch's french fries are under the table? That you they, are kidding. No, and there were no french fries on the menu, so these were from the lunchtime. So this restaurant hadn't been cleaned after lunch. Oh, my. I found the entire... Oh, no. Oh, I should have told you earlier that when you have your audience with Cinderella, you're... A picture is taken, and you do get like an 8 by 10 picture with a couple of wallet-sized pictures tucked in. It's it's all very Sears portrait studio. Yeah, exactly. And they come around during dinner and they give this to you. Now, because we didn't want our picture. (laughs) With Psychorella. We sent our, we sent, we made Maggie and Evie take the pictures, what we really did. It's a beautiful location. It's one of those things where you say to yourself, you know what? You're, you're charging an astronomical rate for this. It, it, it's just, it, it costs just as much to make good food as it does to make crap. And this is, again, I said this about Tony's Town Square. It's in a premier location. However, if people are going to continue to spend astronomical amounts of money and put up with crap, you're going to keep getting crap. And they're going to keep dumbing down Disney menus. In my opinion, this menu was just atrocious. I, it, it, it doesn't succeed on any level other than the real estate. The sad thing about it is that they could put a gourmet peanut butter and jelly sandwich on this menu, and people will still book this right. and pay the price. The location is spectacular. The room is very nice. And there's a certain cachet to eating in the castle. Okay. Yeah. I saved this review until I had a child's perspective. And we had two very nice young ladies who had just the day or two before us, had dinner at 1900 Park Fair. And what you didn't hear on that is shortly after I turned it off, that Cinderella and Prince Charming danced with these young ladies, signed autographs, posed for pictures. The Wicked Stepsisters came over and danced with David, and they had them all laughing. And Lady Tremaine was there and kind of was imperious. 
it was a buffet, so you got to pick and choose what you thought was delicious and what you didn't think was delicious, and it's less money. Wow. If you're looking for character interaction, princess interaction, my opinion is you can do a whole lot better at 1900 Park Fair or the princess dinner or lunch or breakfast at uh, Norway. restaurant Akershus in Norway. It's just, I'm sorry, this is a failure on every single level except the location. If you really are hard-pressed to eat inside the castle, this is your only option. If you're looking for a decent meal and some decent character interaction with your kids, this isn't it. This just ain't it. Wow. I felt, I don't ever feel like this. I felt ripped off after this. It sounds like it. It sounds like it was a rip-off. Right. But at least you had a great uh, a great time with the park. And that's why I wanted to preface all this with they, it couldn't have been a better experience to have dinner with them. And they made the whole experience enjoyable. And they, they had a very good sense of humor. We all laughed at what was going on. And, you know, nobody was, you know, oh, I don't find that funny. You know, that's yeah. sort of like, I'm at Disney. How right. dare you mock it type of thing. So Everybody kind of knew what was going on. They kind of walked in, except Dana. She just, she came along and was willing to put up with us. <laughs> <laughs> but she ended up having a good time. So, thank you, David, Dana, Maggie, and Evie. I hope you're listening, and I hope you had a good time. But well, I'm I'm sorry it was a it was a crappy meal, but it was a great review. It was a great review. I think it's one of your best. Well, so, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Kevin. We appreciate it. We're going to move on with our Christmas in July series. This week, we're talking about Christmas out in in Disneyland, and. Uh, as we've mentioned to you the last few weeks, Disney does not have the official list of events for all their holiday happenings, either here or in Disneyland. So we're basing this a lot on what went on last year. This is this stuff is pretty pretty consistent. I think the first thing you'll notice when you go out to Disneyland for Christmas, or at least in the Magic Kingdom, uh, the Magic Kingdom is so impeccably decorated for Christmas out there. It's amazing and. It really, really, really puts our Magic Kingdom to shame. Now, granted, you know, we do a lot more here. We have the Osborne Lights. We have, you know, a lot of other things going on that kind of compensate for that. But if you want to see the Magic Kingdom really, like, expertly decorated for Christmas, it's incredible. It's beautiful. We've got a lot of pictures and video on the site. In fact, some video is going up with this show that is going to show some of this... uh, some of the Christmas stuff that we're talking about. One of the things I think people look forward to every year, if, they, if they're in Disneyland for Christmas, is the uh, changeover of the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion switches from its regular show to an enhanced show featuring The Nightmare Before Christmas. And the whole, the, you know, the whole Haunted Mansion is all decorated differently for The Nightmare Before Christmas, and they, a lot of elements are added to the attraction. It's really cool what they do. It's not a... It's not a small makeover. It's a really extensive... It's actually a completely different attraction. Yeah, it really is an extensive thing. The first time I saw it, I thought, oh, they're just going to overlay some pieces. Um, If you've never seen it, you'll be blown away. Blown away. It is incredible. Yeah, it's my favorite. What they do. And it's uh, something they're only doing out there. You know, we talk a lot about the uh, homogenization of Disney. Um, This is one thing. I mentioned this once before, but this is one thing I really wish they'd bring out here, too. It was so good, but you know it is. It is special that it's there, but I never get out there for Christmas. We're only out there that one year, yeah. um, late in no, late late enough in November, and we get to see some of the Christmas stuff. So, the haunted mansion becoming the uh, nightmare before Christmas is a big one. 
uh, Small World also undergoes a complete makeover. That's my um, favorite. And uh, they do a whole holiday light show outside of Small World. And then the attraction itself has a lot of new elements added in, uh, some Christmas music added in. And uh, we actually have a, uh, a ride-through of that uh, going up with uh, this week's show, a video ride-through. I apologize that the video is a little shaky, but it's on a small world boat, which means you're slamming into the sides <laughs> of things as you're moving. And so I wasn't going to sit and edit out every, I couldn't edit out every bump, so it's a ride through. But you get, it gives you a real good idea of the attraction. Uh, another big favorite of mine, I know Corey, uh, Corey enjoyed this as well. He enjoyed it as he videotaped it. Uh, the Believe in Holiday Magic Fireworks they do in the Magic oh, yeah. Kingdom. Uh, this great fireworks show that they uh, that they put on, and uh, then they do the they do the snow down Main Street. They do you know all that stuff. It's really cute. It's prior, prior to Pirates and Princess, I thought that was the best um, special fireworks they've ever done. Yeah, it's something else. That's incredible. It is. It is. Angela Lansbury talks and brings a tear to your eye while you're standing there watching it. Also, they do their Christmas fantasy parade. It's a little different than the uh, Christmas Day parade done in the Magic Kingdom here. That goes on every day. And, of course, they do their own version of the Candlelight Processional, very similar to ours, on a lot smaller scale. And uh, I believe it's done, isn't it done by the train station? It's like set up there or something? I believe it is, and I believe it's only a couple of days. It's, yeah, it's only like two or three days. Uh, you can get a dinner package as part of it, but uh, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't run every day like ours does. They usually do this again. No guarantees they're going to do this this year, but they also do the holiday time at Disneyland tour um, as an extra tour you can sign up for, and they basically take you through the park, through the Magic Kingdom, and talk to you about all the decorations and all the things they do to prepare for Christmas. Now, again, pricing for this year may change, but the price of that tour, um, $59 per person. Uh, annual pass holders, $47.20. That's what it was last year. Some of the things they did, you get express boarding on the It's a Small World holiday attraction and the Haunted Mansion, uh, commemorative pin, uh, reserved seating for the parade, and a surprise holiday treat. In the form of a bill. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the one thing you have to see that I thought was the coolest was Santa's reindeer roundup. Oh, yeah. That's very unique over there. It was – they have a pen, this big pen with live reindeer. And it's really cool. We got pictures of this stuff on the site. We're going to have links to this in the show notes page. But uh, now last year that ran from – although it's scheduled to run this year, I'm sorry, from November 21st. Through January fourth, that'll be uh, that'll be over there, and they like you can get cookies and hot cocoa there. And there's also activities uh, for the children. Oh and yeah, stuff like they do reindeer games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. Fun. It, yeah, there's a whole kid. It's like a whole kids activity area. Uh, the Christmas fantasy parade's also going to be running uh, November twenty first through January fourth, and uh, Small World will be open. Uh, the holiday version of Small World will be open same same time period, November twenty first through January fourth. So if you're out there right before Thanksgiving, pretty much through the uh, beginning of the new year, you'll be able to see everything uh, that's out there. Although uh, something to keep in mind is both of those attractions close. They do close, yes. In the uh, 
fall. Er, in the early fall, uh, the beginning of September. Right. Now, Haunted Mansion, if it's not closed already, will probably be closing very soon because that goes online September 26th through January 4th. That's open a little bit longer. But, um, and also the, the fireworks began on November 21st as well. Now, that's, uh, that's over at the, at the Magic Kingdom. Um, California Adventure, you know, they, obviously they decorate that park, put a big old Christmas tree up and, you know, the usual stuff. Lights on the Golden Gate Bridge. And then they do uh, Santa's Beach Blast, which is uh, a California Christmas beach party. Santa shows up in, like, board shorts and <laughs> poses for pictures next to his woody wagon sleigh. And uh, a lot of games, a lot of interactive stuff for the kids there as well. The resorts, of course, all do stuff. Um, nothing announced. We don't know exactly what the hotel's are uh, are planning but of course you know downtown disney is all decorated um the hotels are all decorated the hotels are always doing some kind of special thing uh for christmas it's uh i wish we had gotten more i wish i had had a chance to spend more time out there during the christmas season to really get a much bigger picture of of what goes on um i'm sure there's stuff that we're missing from uh from our, our roundup right now. So if anybody out there has, you know, knowledge of other things that go on for Christmas at, in Disneyland, by all means, I, uh, send it in to us. I asked Mary Jo. Mary Jo is our uh, Disneyland Dreams Unlimited travel agent. She lives just minutes from Disneyland. And I asked her to give us sort of a rundown of some of the things that have gone on in the past. Again, like Disney World, we have no confirmation that these things will definitely happen, but they're things that you can pretty much guarantee you'll see some version of. Um, in addition to the things you mentioned at Disneyland, she says you'll see Dickens carolers on Main Street. All the characters will be dressed in holiday attire. There's a nightly tree lighting ceremony. Um, the streetcars on Main Street and horses are all decorated for the holidays. New Orleans Square usually has a lot of decorations, as well as a huge Christmas crocodile that uh, is hung above the street. French Market Restaurant has a huge gingerbread house, themed like the Haunted Mansion Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, with desserts that match the decor. Um, she mentions the usual stuff that you did, the Haunted Mansion and Small World as well. One of the things she specifically wanted to point out was you're going to see a lot more Christmas decorations at Disneyland Park, the Magic Kingdom, as opposed to California Adventure. California yeah. Adventure is a lot more subtle and a lot more California-themed in their decorating. She did mention one thing that I thought was really cool. Um, in Frontierland, Woody's Roundup Petting Zoo. You talked a little bit about the deers and stuff. Um, you can decorate cookies for free, have snacks with the kids. Family pictures, characters walk around and entertain, um, they play music, and a lot of interaction with the kids. Um, apparently, that's the area where you really want to get a lot of the smaller kids over to, to sort of have that character interaction and those really cool extra things that go on at Disneyland. She mentions the hotels, Grand Californian, you will do a floor-to-ceiling Christmas tree, Santa in the lobby, piano playing Christmas music. Disneyland Hotel, same kind of stuff. They also do snowflakes projected on the hotel at night, visible from the hotel grounds, downtown Disney in the parking lots. And they just, they stick with a silver and blue motif when they decorate the hotel. 
she says that you'll also see decorations at downtown Disney as well. And some carolers walking around and people playing Christmas music. So you have the all-encompassing Christmas theme. But like Walt Disney World, you're going to find it themed differently for each resort and for each area of the parks. And, you know, one of the questions that we get quite a bit, um, that we've gotten quite a bit in voicemail, especially lately about Disneyland for the holidays, is, you know, what can I expect in terms of crowds? You know, it's still... uh, you know, the period from right after Thanksgiving to the week before Christmas is still considered quote-unquote off-peak. What you have to remember, though, is that uh, off-peak at Disneyland isn't the same thing as it is here. In Disney World, there's a lot more room to spread out all these guests. Disneyland, not so much. And especially the Magic Kingdom gets very, very packed on certain days of the week. Now, what we've noticed, Walter and I noticed, was that pretty much Sunday through Thursday, you practice good theme park touring strategies. Get to the park early, use fast passes, things like that. The crowds are very, you know, relatively manageable. It's the weekends where Disneyland gets insane because that's when the locals come out. And that park is impacted very heavily by local traffic, far more so than what we deal with here in Orlando. So it's important to keep that in mind. And also, there are so many extra events going on during Christmas. You need to factor that into your planning, especially if you're going to do something like the Candlelight Processional, which really only goes on for two days. And you're not able to start booking uh, the Candlelight Processional uh, until November 19th at 10 uh, a.m. Pacific time. On the we- on, and it's only done via their website, Disneyland.com forward slash Candlelight. But you've got to wait till November 19th. And uh, like I said, they only do it for two days. So pay attention and you know, mark it on your calendar if it's something you plan to do. But factor stuff like that in. I haven't done the uh, holiday time at Disneyland tour. I have talked to people who have and said it was great. So we can definitely recommend that, especially because you get uh, expressed onto both Haunted Mansion and Small World. Nice way to get on. Make sure you see those two very unique attractions. Now, keep in mind there is a promotion going on right now. Book three nights at a, a participating Disneyland Good Neighbor Hotel. The fourth night is free. Some of these hotels are offering dates right now on this package for uh, stays over the holidays. Um, some of them are you know, e- either through uh, looks like a, a November 30th through either December 11th or December 14th, depending on the hotel. But it's a lot of the Good Neighbor Hotels that are right there in the surrounding area around Disneyland. So that's one thing to consider. You know, there's always the possibility, depending on how bad the economy is, that Disney is going to offer something on-site. Right now they're not. Right now we don't have anything, any discounts for that time period. The, d- the discount we have uh, ends the 31st of August for travel. So, But I'll, I'll bet you you'll see something for, for the fall. But whether or not it'll be over Christmas is anybody's guess. So... There are, and we're gonna have again. We'll have links to all this stuff in the in the show notes page. But uh, that's our overview of Christmas at Disneyland for this week's uh, Christmas in July series. As I mentioned uh, earlier, next week we'll be doing uh, Christmas on board the Disney Cruise Line. But it is not Christmas in July unless we are giving away presents, <laughs> and the prize Matron is all set up. I haven't re-recorded them yet, but they've all been reshuffled. I will tell everyone 
that uh, I did make some changes to the prize distributions. There are more gift certificates in there now than there were prior, but there are also more cruises. Now, we're only giving away two podcast cruises, but as John had suggested a few weeks ago, every week we don't give one away. We add another uh, We add another podcast cruise to what's available, so we're increasing your odds of picking the right, uh, picking the right number. Right now there are six podcast cruises floating around in here. We also have uh, a trip for someone to Disneyland. Someone may win the chance to go out to Disneyland for the, uh, for the holidays. So, of, of course, we have some backstage tours and iPods and all that other good stuff, but uh, we're all set up. So, okay, let's uh, go ahead and start picking. Uh, Marianne from Texas chose number 46. One a $25 gift certificate good at any Disney store or Disney theme park. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. All right, well, there you go, Marianne. Thank you very much. Uh, $25 gift certificate to, for you. And next is Bob from Ohio. Pick number 37. So here's what Bob won. You have won... Keys to the Kingdom Tour for two. You and a guest will take a behind-the-scenes look at the Magic Kingdom. It includes lunch at the Columbia Harbor House. All participants must be 16 years of age or older, and the approximate value of this prize is $120. Congratulations, and thanks for listening. Congratulations, Bob. That's Excellent a good prize. prize. All right, Amy from Wisconsin. She chose number 14. You have won three days, two nights at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin, courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel. Approximate value of this prize is $500. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. They're getting more expensive. They're getting more expensive <laughs> as we go up. Maybe we'll work our way up to a, uh, a podcast cruise here. I'm surprised that no <laughs> one's picked uh, the same number. That amazes me. Well, there yeah. are only three, and there's 50 numbers. No, he's got seven altogether. And a total of seven prizes I'm giving away here. We've only done three. Okay. Now, Becky Daniels, now these are some of the people. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> these are some of the people from, uh, from chat. Uh, I was in chat the other night. Started letting. Yeah, we can have a chat about that. We can have a little talk about that. That was fun. I show up, and all of a sudden, there's prizes being given away. <laughs> there's people talking about Walter's scars. It was a mayhem. Sorry. That we, was one of the trivia questions. We hijacked, uh, we, yeah, we hijacked chat on you. Sorry. Oh, you, I'm always getting yelled at. You never come in a chat. You never come, so I come in a chat. What, does he make that face when he yells? And that's not me. <laughs> that's the listeners he was making fun of. <laughs> no, it was you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who did we just do? Was that Becky? Did Amy. Amy. Oh, sorry. Well, Becky Daniels chose number 23. She was in chat. So, let's see what Becky won. You have won a seven-day Disney Park Hopper Pass with an approximate value of $233. Thank you for listening, and congratulations. All right, congratulations, Becky. 
Uh, Jennifer chose number 44. Let's see. Maybe Jennifer wins a podcast cruise. Let's see. Do you like the podcast? Do you like Disney Cruise Line? Oh, my goodness. This sounds exciting. Well, guess what? So do we. You've won a $25 Disney gift certificate. Oh, man. That's cool. I'm just kidding. You'll want a podcast <laughs> cruise. Go to see of Dreams Unlimited Travel. You're going to be joining us on May 9th, Finally. 2009 for a four-night cruise aboard the Disney Wonder. The approximate minimum value of this prize is $1,362. Compliments of Dreams Unlimited Travel. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. We look forward to seeing you on the podcast cruise. Congratulations again. Wow. Congratulations, Jennifer. Number 44 was a good choice. You're coming on the podcast cruise. Did Jennifer win this because she knew Walter doesn't like peas and carrots or because she knew about his scars? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Just curious. It was onions and tomatoes, actually. Now, let's not, you know, let's don't lose hope, folks. There's five more in there. There are five more in there. I've got one one more to give away. There's one more to win. So let's see. We have uh, Simon, Simon Kadusik, our good friend, has chosen number 27. So let's see, Simon. Are you going to make it too? You have won a $25 gift certificate good at any Disney store or Disney theme park. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. Well, there you go, Simon. It wasn't a, wasn't a cruise, but... It's a $25 gift certificate. The good news is you can use that on a cruise. Does that make you feel any better? <laughs> You're $25 closer Probably going not. on the cruise. Yeah, you could use that that way, too. And uh, last but certainly not least, our friend Stephen Rickard from St. Cloud, who did that lovely rendition of Believe for us last week, has chosen number 33. So here's what he wins. You have won... A $100 Disney gift certificate. Good at any Disney store or Disney theme park. Congratulations. That's great prizes. Yeah, we had some good prizes there. We gave away a cruise this week. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we gave away a cruise. Congratulations, Jennifer. I know the rest of the people who pick numbers this week hate you. But uh, (laughs) keep in mind, I still have one more of these to give away, and I'm going to be adding two more. I'm going to be replacing two prizes in the prize matron this week with cruises. So you will have an even bigger chance to uh, to win next week, whoever whoever numbers we picked. Now the way we're picking these numbers, folks, is um, you know, well, one good way to get a chance to pick a number is sign up for our mailing list, podcast.wdwinfo.com. We pick names from that at random. Uh, Julie's going to pick three more from that list uh, for next week's show that we'll give away. And uh, then, you know, throughout the show, sometimes when someone gives us a good idea, someone does something extraordinary that we really thought was funny or, or good, like Stephen last week doing the, doing the song, we'll tell people to pick a number. I think we should make it harder for the next one. It should be like a physical contest. It should be like Blade Runner or Death Race or something for the last podcast. <laughs> American race. Gladiator? Or yeah, <laughs> American Gladiator. Or like, have you seen the new show Wipeout? Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's Where you have to jump on the big balls? I think we should make people jump on big balls to win the last podcast first. <laughs> or finish, okay, well, finish I guess Kevin's tortellini plate. That's, <laughs> uh, that's extreme. 
Uh, well, folks, that is going to do it for our prizes for this week. It is also going to do it for our show. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening, everybody.